Hello, this is Reverend Mary Ellen Swartz. I'm an ordained unity minister, and uh, I'm bringing to you today another uh, set of what I call one-liners uh, of Jesus. As far as we know, Jesus left no written documents. Um, of course, his great wisdom teachings have been shared through parables and aphorisms, or what I call one-liners. A, a parable, as most people know, is a story that has parallel meanings or many layers of meaning. An aphorism uh, is a provocative one-liner that also might have many layers of meaning. I should say usually does have many layers of meaning because that is the way that Jesus teaches. And so um, previously in the in the podcast, um, I shared some thoughts on do not resist evil, turn the other cheek, go the second mile, love your enemies, judge not that you be not judged, uh, let the dead bury the dead, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, and render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Many of these aphorisms have made their way into our everyday speech, as I think anyone would recognize. And so we have some more that kind of fit in that same way. They've, they've made their way into our everyday conversation without maybe realizing that, that these are part of the teachings of Jesus. So today I wanted to consider three more sayings of his that are, again, very familiar, um, but which uh, are very important. So these, by the way, uh, we'll find in Matthew 6th chapter, Mark 6th chapter, and Luke 9th chapter. So the first one is, don't let the left hand know what the right hand does. Second one is, shake the dust from your feet. And then third, don't put your hand to the plow and look backwards. So, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Sometimes people use this uh, reminder when they're talking about an organization or a company. In other words, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, and almost as if that is not a good thing. Um, so this, this saying is actually an Aramaic idiom, which means let no one, not even those closest to you, know what you are giving. Um, connecting parts of the body, such as the hand or the eye or the heart, to the actions of a person was very common. For example, acts of charity or alms giving was attributed to the hand. And it almost sounds humorous to say, don't let your left hand know what your right hand does, because literally it makes no sense. How can one hand not know what the other one is doing? But metaphysically, it does make perfect sense. So, 
Let's consider what Jesus might have had in mind when he was talking about giving in secret. In Jesus' day, it was common, a common practice for the rich to give to charity in order to be thought of as pious or religious. We have a little bit of that today, too, don't we? In other words, there are people who only give or only do good if they're going to get recognized. And so, basically, their goal is about being recognized more, more than it is about be doing some good in the world. I remember hearing about a serious competition that took place many years ago between Rockefeller and Carnegie. Now, each one tried to outgive and outdo the other because their their thought was that they would seem more important than the other. And so today almost everyone knows their names in spite of their competition uh, behind their generosity. We know their names because beyond their competition something is carried through. In other words, many institutions and people have received benefit in spite of what their original uh, approach was. Perhaps Jesus was saying with this aphorism, don't give for outer attention. In the short term, it might bring recognition, but surface level giving only brings surface level results. So in effect, Jesus was saying, if that's all you want, that's all you'll get. My sense is Jesus is teaching about a deeper level of giving. Giving not just from the hand, but giving from the heart. Of course the hand is involved, but it's a giving that begins within. It begins with the heart, with the feeling. To me, this teaching is about being conscious of working with spiritual principle. Working with spiritual principle builds a consciousness of God as our source. And we realize the more we give in this consciousness, the more we open ourselves to receive. The teaching here, as I see it, isn't about how much one gives, but it's about the motive behind the giving. You see, the human-only thinking would be uh, give to get praise or to get recognition. And when we do this, and I'm sure this is one of the things uh, underlying this, this teaching of Jesus, when we do this, we shortchange ourselves. Spiritual motive is about flow. It's about not frustrating the flow of good through us. That's the the human only um, thinking is is about getting some praise or recognition. The spiritual thinking is about not frustrating the flow of good through us. The spiritual motive is about being in sync with the divine energy, with the divine source. The second 
teaching, shake the dust from your feet. In, in biblical times, Jewish customs and the traditional teaching was that any land outside of Israel was defiling. And so if a Jew went to another land outside of Israel, they were to shake the dust or dirt from those outside lands off their feet when they returned to Israel. The dust of Gentile land was thought to be as defiling as coming in contact, contact with a corpse, a dead body. So Jesus used that symbolic language or terminology when telling the disciples how to deal with rejection. He, in effect, said, you are going to come up against people who won't accept this teaching. But here's how to deal with it. If you are rejected, then don't hang around hoping things are going to change. Shake the dust from your feet and move on to those who are ready for these teachings. So there's, there are deeper levels of teaching, of course, to be found within this. Something that can apply to all of us. First of all, let's realize that a town or a village or a house or a tent, all of this represents an aspect of our consciousness, an aspect of our thinking and believing. It's, it represents a dwelling place for our thoughts and feelings. And so rejection, well, we all know something about rejection, I'm sure. It's a type of no. Uh, rejection can take different forms. For example, a subtle rejection would be disinterest or a polite thank you but no thank you. Or it might be a not-so-subtle form of rejection, having the door shut in the face or being told, you know, get out, you're not welcome. So figuratively or literally, Rejection is the experience of no, when we really would like a yes. Isn't that true? When we are rejected, we are receiving a no when we really want a yes. So here's a teaching I believe that Jesus was giving to the disciples and which applies to us too. The first thing we want to do when we come into a house or a village, in other words, any kind of involvement with a person or persons, salute it. Salute the fact that it happened. Don't say it was a mistake to have been there. Actually, it wasn't a mistake. It was neutral. We always get to give meaning to things that happen, people that cross our path, or so on. We give it the meaning. It's neutral. And so then Jesus says, if the house, or I'm saying the involvement or relationship, is going to continue rejecting you, if it is going to be a constant struggle, then you are to move along. Shake the dust off your feet. In other words, if it's clear that you are not wanted, that what you stand for is not welcome, don't stay around where you're going to get 
more rejection. If it's clear you aren't welcome, then go where you will be welcome. That's what Jesus was saying to those who are going to be going out. Go where you will be welcomed. Don't keep hammering where you aren't welcome. And the feet and the dust. This is all symbolic of our understanding. Dust, in this case, symbolizes clinging negative emotion. So if negative emotion is clouding our understanding, then we need to shake it off. How do we do that? Well, we do whatever is required in order to get rid of the negative emotion involved with that, whatever it is. We do have a choice. We have a choice to either keep thinking about it in the old way, or we have a choice to stop thinking about it in the old way. Or we have a choice to tell the story of rejection in a different way. So what is it that is clouding your understanding today? What is it that is the dust that's on your feet? Think about it. And when you are tempted to tell one more person about it, and here I'm not talking about some professional uh therapist or counselor or uh, a minister, but when you're tempted to tell one more person your story, don't do it. If you keep doing it, you are going to let it suck the life energy out of you. You're going to let it stand in the way of your being who you know you are. Does that make sense? So, shake the dust from your feet and move on, Jesus said. In other words, move your thoughts in a different direction. Get your focus off of what was and on to what is. And that's just, that's just a, a tremendous teaching for us to remember and internalize and practice. But the third aphorism is uh, put your hand to the plow and don't look back. In other words, put, look forward, not backward. Jesus said, no one who puts the hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. Now, Jesus was probably speaking to those who knew about planting and, and, and plowing and harvesting and so on, because many of his parables actually incorporate those symbols. But even if we today have never plowed a field or watched someone else do it, we get the picture, right? We get the picture with the words, put his hands to the plow and looks back. Jesus is painting a picture of someone who needs to keep focused on what is ahead rather than what is behind. In other words, if that person is going to have the best outcome, they need to focus ahead, not behind. If you've ever mowed a lawn or, or you've seen somebody mow a lawn, you might remember that too much looking back makes a mess 
of the job. Or, or think about this symbology with driving a vehicle. Too much looking back isn't a good thing. You know, we might occasionally look in the rearview mirror, but our main attention needs to be on the road or the street ahead of us, right? It's hard to drive in reverse for any length of time, and, and it's not profitable. Today, we might say, and Jesus might use the symbology, don't text and drive. Um, keep your attention where it should be. So many times the wrecks that we hear about, someone didn't have their attention where it should be. They were texting or talking on a phone or something. There are many symbolic fields in life, and there are deeper levels of meaning within the statement about keeping the hand of the plow and not looking back. We don't have the consciousness to experience the kingdom that Jesus was teaching us about if we are focusing on what was, if we are focusing on the past. We are not fit for the kingdom. In other words, the kingdom cannot be experienced by us when we spend our energy longing for or hankering after what was, the past, the known, the familiar. Experiencing the kingdom demands that we leave behind what was and keep our focus on the now. Not fit for the kingdom? Jesus gave many parables that spoke of the kingdom as being something growing and expanding, something that's within us that's growing and expanding. And so not being fit for the kingdom means that our growing, expanding awareness is, is not focused uh, on now. It's focused on what was. And we don't grow by looking at what was. We grow by looking forward, moving forward. I want to leave you with this reminder. Life never goes backwards. It only goes forward. I sometimes people say things like, when things get back to normal, when things get back to the way they were, whatever. Nothing is ever going to get back to anywhere because life doesn't go backwards. It only goes forward. And so the consciousness of the kingdom or or the the awareness of the of the kingdom within us can only be experienced when our focus is on growing and moving forward now, not having our attention on what was. So this brings us to the end of this uh, recording, and I hope that you've enjoyed it, and it's been my pleasure to share with you. Just remember, life never goes backwards, always goes forward. God bless you, and have a wonderful day, a wonderful week. You totally deserve it. We'll meet again, I hope. Bye for now.